This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. What? Hello. I'm your host, Tom Kearns, and I just wanted to explain what this is. So this is an extract from the most recent bonus episode that just went up onto the show's Patreon. I wanted to share it with you to give you a sense of the kind of stuff that I'm putting up there to help you make an informed decision about whether or not you want to support it. You can get access to this and all other bonus episodes for $3 a month. My plan is to upload these every Wednesday on the Wednesdays between main series episodes. So there should be quite a few of them before too long. Quote, And Christ gave us the gift that now there is no need for any man that he seek hell, but he is immediately led to eternal rest after he forsakes this deathly life if he now here in this world will perform truth and right in his life. In the closing statement of Vercelli 1, the homilist alludes both to soteriology, the beliefs concerning the workings of salvation, and the need for soteriology to inspire good works. These relate back to the emphasis on penitential religious practices found in most Old English religious literature, but here they are contextualised as responses to the saving gift of grace. If, as Vercelli 1 suggests, authors justified religious practices with reference to soteriological beliefs, then understanding these beliefs is essential to understanding the place of the church in the lives of the faithful. The soteriological beliefs espoused in the Blickling and Vercelli books mostly sit comfortably alongside those of other Anglo-Saxon writers like Alfrich and Wolfstan, There are some differences of emphasis, but these are more practical than theological. The chief way that soteriology affected the lives of the faithful was through the two main soteriological sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist. How these sacraments were understood to affect their recipients is once again in line with the views of other writers. However, while they share common beliefs about what these sacraments did, the views of late 10th century authors on how they worked very notably. Once again, however, these differences are not due to differences in theology, but rather due to the sources used. All late 10th century English authors espoused common soteriological beliefs, and in their essence, these remained the most common views throughout the Middle Ages. The terminology and outline of soteriology in Anglo-Saxon England was Augustinian. The authors accept the primacy of grace, original sin, and the ransom theory of atonement. Early medieval English theologians also accepted the modifications made to Augustinianism at the Council of Orange, circa 529. That council disavowed the views of Augustine on double predestination, the belief that God predestines some to salvation and others to damnation, and it affirmed instead the need for free will to cooperate with grace through works. The 9th century saw certain Frankish theologians like Gottschalk of Orbay, died 867, challenge the Augustinian synthesis by returning to the works of Augustine 
which not only revived the question of double predestination, but also, following the pioneering allegorical interpretation of the Mass composed by Amalarius of Metz, allowed these writers to use Augustine's theory of sacramental signs to question established understandings of the Eucharist. In England, only Alfrich shows any awareness of these Frankish controversies, and his use of them seems not to have led to any major shift in Anglo-Saxon theology. Wolfstan echoed the conservative semi-Augustinianism of Blickling and Vicelli, and through composite homilies, this semi-Augustinian theology continued to be preached from English pulpits well into the 12th century. The Battle of Waterloo was one of the most famous turning points in world history. But what happened next? My name's David Montgomery, and I'm the host of The Siecla, a history podcast that tackles exactly that. Join me as I cover France's overlooked century in between Napoleon and World War I. The Siecla, spelled S-I-E-C-L-E, is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and can be found wherever you get podcasts.